Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, that's the best in new brands, new inventory right there. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Fabulous service department that backs it all up every step of the way at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15. Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Thanks to Adam Rittenberg for taking the time to be with us today. And a great job by Matt to get him. So, credit where credit is due. And time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Atlas call. Left side. They're going to come home. Oh, no! Contreras just enough. By the way, Milwaukee's going to challenge the play at the plate. And you have to if you're Craig Council. What a slide. Yeah, if he got the plate. There we go. Easily safe. Bob Carpenter with the call on the Nationals TV network. Uh, Let's give the Nationals credit. They're playing better. Uh, They're playing better. And let's give the Phillies credit. They did something I never heard of before. They had three different guys blow a save last night. I don't think I've seen three blown saves in one game. <laughs> How about that one? Including their shortstop. Yeah, but it had nothing to do with that. Yeah, he's part of it. But I'm saying, I'm talking about pitchers being credited well, with yes, blown yeah. saves. Three different guys. Turner, Turner, okay. I was talking to Dick Girardi today. You know, and, and Dick was, he was say, he says, Steve, he says, I said, I thought I heard you say something about Turner as a fielder. He says, and you said he wasn't that good. And I said, yeah. He says, this is back in spring training. And he, he said, you're right. <laughs> I said, I know. He's, that's, he's never been a good fielder. I, Sorry, he just hasn't been. And the big part of his game is his speed and his ability to get on base, steal a base. you got to get on base first. You can't have a two ninety seven on base percentage. That's horrible. I, you just can't do that. But uh, let me see what they're doing here. Um, He's batting eighth in the lineup today, by the way, which to uh, me I think is meaningless. Phillies are up 4-2. I don't care what, what spot you're batting in. It doesn't matter. You're in the lineup. No, I'll, I only say that because he dropped. He got dropped to seventh earlier this week in the order, mm. and then Rob Thompson put him to eighth today. He claimed he wanted righty, lefty, righty for the pitching matchup. but That's fine. To me, I, I just think it's come to a point where I think that he needs to sit for a couple games. Yeah, maybe he does. Yeah. In fact, this, if, he yeah. Wants, if he wants to know how to do it in style, he should just call Aaron Judge. He sits a lot of games. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. 
I don't mean that to be necessarily a, a critic about it. It's just I, 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 you can tell just by his body language. I saw a little bit of his press conference last night and after what happened after the play itself. Like he's pressing, and sometimes in baseball you just need to step away and be oh. out a couple of games to regroup yourself and then try again in a couple of days. That's what I think he needs, to be honest with you. I thought, I thought Bob Nightingale, though, made a good point, and it's something in the past I've talked about, but I haven't talked about it with Turner. Uh, the first year you go to a team and there's all this expectation, all this pressure, some guys can't handle it. But then the second year they settle down just a bit and get back to being more of who they are. I mean, he's got a two ninety one on base percentage. I mean, he's a career three forty eight on base percentage guy. Career three forty eight. He's a two ninety one. He's a career two ninety four hitter. It's two thirty seven. I mean, you're right, Matt. He's he is pressing, pressing, pressing. And maybe putting him eighth relaxes him. Maybe having him sit relaxes him. I don't know. But it is a struggle for him right now and for them. Um, no question. All right, so here, and Lorenzen, by the way, is pitching today, and he's done a good job. Five hits, two runs, not bad. Struck out five, walked one. Now, he's kind of at his limit. He's at 93 pitches right now, but still. But, yeah, they, they three different guys blew a save last night. I've never seen that. All right, so what's your next complaint? Because, I mean, we've been doing all this other stuff. We have not, you know, done anything to relieve um, the pressure that you feel to get things off your chest. <laughs> well, the other, only other one I had for today is another baseball one. And, of course, we saw Domingo Herman get put on the, uh, on, the, yeah. on the list for the rest of the year for, uh, for his alcohol abuse. Yeah. This is not the first time that's happened, and this is not also not the first time that he's had off the field and legal issues. The guy obviously needs to to get some help, and I'm I'm glad he's doing that. And you know, it's obviously concerning where he is right now in his personal life. Sure, but I just think it comes to a point where like enough's enough. Where you just got to say, all right, you know what? We we've given you enough chances. You need to go get yourself together. See ya. So I think it's time to DFA Domingo Herman as well. Uh, do you want to DFA him when he's going through something like this? Do you think that emotionally helps him at all? And also, and then we'll go to the far greater, uh, the far less, the far less point, the public relations part of DFAing somebody who's going through something like this. I, I think if, if if it were a first time, then I I could understand that. I guess I still understand that because of the circumstances. No matter how many times yeah, you do I, it, I but. think I think if you want to do it, you want to do it in the off season. Yeah, I think you and don't I'd be okay with do, that because he's not going to play yeah, regardless. So uh, you you don't want to do it now because I don't think it's good for him as he goes through this, where suddenly like you feel like oh my goodness I've lost everything as opposed to still at least dangling the carrot that, hey, get yourself together. We have a spot waiting for you. It, it, you have to be sensitive about this. 
and also as as Adam Rittenberg talked about this era where we discuss an athlete's mental health and there's a greater focus on that because there is a greater focus on that I think you do have to at least have a um, an awareness and so you tread lightly with them dangle the care of the ability to come back stay away from DFAing him and then at the same time the public relations part of it like the guy's going through this and you caught him you know, I know you see all that. I understand. But Doug in Wellsboro, I had the pleasure of uh, seeing your family two weeks ago. My son talks about it every day. Thank you very much for signing autographs and taking pictures. That was quite a highlight. Well, he's a very nice young man, and I think I met your wife, too. Very, very nice. Yep. Uh, yep, uh, they like Mary, they like, Mary, I mean, you're married above yourself. I mean, it's really. It's... Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> but the highlight of the visit, though, I must say, Steve, was meeting Matt, though. He liked Matt more. Absolutely. Who wouldn't? <laughs> oh, my almighty! <laughs> Why in the world is the Big Ten interested in Oregon and Washington? For months we've seen what is the point in adding those two? Is it just because it yeah. fell into their lap? I think that's going to be part of this. Nobody wants to be seen, Doug, as being the uh, ogre that came over and grabbed two schools like that and destroyed the conference. Well, now the conference gives one the impression from the outside looking in that there's an implosion happening. Washington and Oregon want to find a landing spot because the runway that they picked that's called the Pac-12 has been mined. (laughs) So I don't think so. There's some hesitancy to land the plane there. I also think if you're going to do this on the Big Ten's part, you have to do this with the idea of a partial share of forty to fifty percent, with the idea that when the new contract comes up in seven years, or you'll be negotiating in five and a half to six, that now you're positioned with eighteen schools giving one the impression you're a national conference and then being able to re-up these contracts for even bigger numbers because you're a national conference because you would have proven over time with their addition that they are uh, an important addition to it. My deal is I'd rather I feel like I have the right 16 and I feel from a management point of view I'd rather have 16 instead of 18 but big picture they're taking on look and they don't really need to be vetted Oregon and Washington this part about them being vetted they're already been vetted I think what they're trying to figure out is the financial part and can they get an additional TV partner whether it be linear or streaming to then give them the money to then allow them to be a part of this but I think the management part's the more difficult part than it is even the money part I agree I don't know how you manage something this size, this geographically spread, and it's just not like you keep saying football and basketball. There's so many other teams, you know, underneath that. How do you how do you physically or administratively juggle such a conference? And I don't know. I don't have the answer to that because we don't have answers yet from the Big Ten on all the other sports. We only have a partial answer 
so far on the football schedule. We have the opponents, the location, but not the dates. And so they're still working through that to get that done. And for anybody who thinks that, well, by having Oregon and Washington in, oh, it makes the travel so much easier for USC and UCLA, Oregon and Washington are not close to Los Angeles, <laughs> okay? No. <laughs> they, okay? They're still, I mean, they're trips they're used to making, and are they a little bit better than maybe going to Nebraska or Minnesota? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but not as much as people think. Uh, and USC and UCLA really did want to have the West Coast to themselves. Uh, and that's that's something where I've talked. You know, look, I was in Los Angeles. All right, I talked to enough people when I was out there. That's what they told me. They well, would rather have this whole thing to ourselves. Uh, and okay, you know, I believed them when they told me. Uh, and but now I think there's there's a, a thought process of. All right, first of all, Oregon and Washington are seamless. They can let their grant of rights naturally run out, and there's no exit fee. All right, so you just go from one to the other. So that does make it less messy. Florida State leads the league in messy. Their thing is, is okay, is so messy, it makes a landfill look like a pristine beach, okay? <laughs> and the, the Oregon-Washington thing, like anybody else in the Pac-12, is exponentially seamless, cleaner, and you can integrate them. You also at least have a plan with USC and UCLA that you're formulating that maybe you feel you can now re- also include them in that makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, I I still think you've got the right 16, and I go forward with, with 16 because I just think it's cleaner and easier to operate. Does it get to a point where USC and UCLA say, hey, we were, we were promised exclusivity, and if it's going to be like that, we'll go to the SEC or the Big 12. I mean, are they, are they already on the path where they can't back out? They're on the path where they can't back out, and they don't want to back out. Okay. They don't, they don't, they don't want to back out. Uh, they, they want to be a part of this, and they've been working toward that, and they've got the money that they needed. I mean, UCLA, which is $104 million in debt in its athletic department, needed this. USC, which had been falling behind financially and everybody needed this. So they they have it. And it's not as if USC and UCLA won't have a seat at the table to talk about this with everybody as to how they feel. And, you know, Carol Foltz, the president of USC, okay, this is somebody who uh, everybody will tell you. I've never met her, but I I know people who have worked for her, and they say that she is not shy about letting you know what she thinks. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now you now UCLA's president is more of a conformist. He likes to kind of he doesn't like to rock the boat too much and so forth. Carol Fultz. You know what? If the boat needs to be rocked, right? She's instructing people exactly which part of the boat to jump up and down to make the thing go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder sometimes how things would have been 
this all was set in motion when Joe didn't get the, the All-Eastern Sports Conference, how things might have looked different today. I guess it wouldn't have, everything would have got to this point anyway with the money and the TV rights, but yeah. it would just be interesting to see what it would have been like if that had gone through. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see whether the Eastern All-Sports Conference itself would have ended up expanding uh, because... You know, I mean, I think you bring up something that's interesting, and I've thought about it a couple of times. What would it look like today? Because, look, if we go back to 1969, Texas played Arkansas. Penn State's undefeated. Arkansas, Texas undefeated. They played, I think the game was in Fayetteville. And President Nixon went to the game, and it was part of the Southern strategy that Bud Wilkinson had convinced him, hey, look, this would be great for you as president to go down south and hand out the national championship uh, trophy to the winner of the game. Okay. Well, that was a Southwest Conference game. Who would know that 25 years later, the Southwest Conference would not exist? I mean, who would have thought that in 25 years that that wouldn't exist? And it, you know, it was gone. I mean, Big East football, it's gone. Uh, now we're on the verge of maybe seeing packed. Pack eight, Pack twelve, Pack ten football disappear. Uh, it's amazing the changes that have happened, but I never would have thought in 1969, 1979, 1989, the Southwest Conference would not exist. Right, the Big East basketball went and came and went. You know, yeah, you know, the same same deal. Hey, I don't hold you up anymore. Uh, one last thing, I sure. think Iowa. These with this gambling stuff. This isn't a school activity. This isn't a school-centered thing. Yeah. This is like there's state charges involved in this now, and I think it's out of Iowa's and Iowa State's like hands more than more than the other stuff before. This is this is they're in a dangerous area right now, and it's interesting. Nebraska's on a foreign tour right now, Doug, and Aaron Euless is not on the trip because. He is implicated from when he played at Iowa. And they're saying that he made bets totaling $35,000. I saw that. And it's, you know, now whether, you know, we always presume innocence, but he's one, he's one of the prominent basketball players that was brought up in all this. Now, he's no longer a part of the program. He transferred to Nebraska. But right now, Fred Hoiberg doesn't know what to do, and they did not take him on the foreign trip. Uh, the Iowa State quarterback involved in this. Noah Shannon did not make the trip, and this I am ba- I am baffled by that. How? Who in the Iowa athletic department put his name down to go to Indianapolis, knowing everybody in that campus must know that which guys are being investigated because the coaches had to be informed, like a. Hey, just in case you guys, they're looking at this guy, this guy, this guy. Well, Shannon's one of the guys being looked at, but they put him on the list to go to Indy. And then they tell everybody, and then Kirk Ferentz tells everybody he showed great leadership in pulling himself back. (laughs) How about you guys showing leadership and not putting him on the list? (laughs) I hear you. What are we doing here? (laughs) I I see sit back and you just shake your head like, what the heck is going on? Okay. Well, thanks for taking my calls, and I expect tidbits over the next couple weeks of practice. 
Yeah, well, there's only one. There's not many tidbits out of yesterday. I know. <laughs> I, know. I know there's only been one, but you got to give us tidbits over the next couple of weeks of what to look for. We'll we'll slip in some tidbits. How about that? I know I'm going to go a little bit tonight, and I'm going to the full uh, deal on Saturday. So, okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. And just one quick note, I think I used the expression, nobody said anything to me, but I I realized when I said it, that ESPN's broke. They aren't broke, not by a long shot, but they're trying to direct their resources because they need to have enough in play for two major contracts. The NBA and the college football playoff mean a tremendous amount to them and to their brand. And that's where they're trying to direct their resources because they've already settled contracts with everybody else. I mean, what, you know, what's the incentive to give the ACC more money? None. What's the incentive to give the SEC more money? None. They already have deals. But they have pending deals they're trying to make on the college football playoff and the NBA that are critical to them, and they can't be sitting there renegotiating other deals that they already feel are settled. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Summary Motors guarantee. It means a lot. It really eases the buying experience because they go over everything. Mm-hmm. And a fabulous service department that backs it all up. At Summary Motors, 4th Street in Summary, Summary Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf Online, summarymotors.com. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, ESPN, extending their media rights deal. So the enshrinement ceremony is going to be on there for years to come. Okay, First started doing it in 1995. So this deal is going to push them past the uh, 30-year mark. Uh, Kevin Nagandi is going to host the uh, ceremony for the first time along with Louis Riddick. And the MC will be uh, Chris Berman. Rondé Barber, Don Coriel, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, Darrell Rivas, Ken Riley, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, and Demarcus Ware, and uh, longtime NFL TV producer Fred Gadelli are being honored this weekend. Last weekend, Bud Tallman, my good friend, was honored by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It was for all those incredible years he had with the Buffalo Bills and all those Super Bowls. He was a part of running seven Super Bowls. And Elbow was able to get in and deserves it so much. And he's the guy that called me up. And he said, hey, well, he didn't call me up. I was doing a basketball game with Indiana. 
at the Jordan Center. He comes up to me at halftime. He says, hey, you know, can you come over to my house tomorrow? So I want to talk to you about something. I said, sure. Went over to Bud's house, and that's when he offered me the football play-by-play job. And uh, he said, look, he said, a lot of people have been wondering what we're going to do with this. He says, I wanted to meet here because it's off campus and nobody would see you come here. I said, okay. But that's how it happened. So, obviously, I am. there are many, many people that go into where you're sitting at a particular spot during the course of your lifetime. And Bud was certainly completely and absolutely critical to all that, and I'll never forget it. Then a month later, he hired Jack. And I remember when he told me that, my first thought was, we got a chance to really succeed now with a guy like that. So, I think it's worked out pretty well. At least the Jack part has. (laughs) All right, so... Preseason practice, one done. Uh, media day is Sunday. And so you get a chance to hear from everybody. And then it's a process going from there. I mean, because they're going to go today. They're not going tomorrow, but they're going Saturday. And then they'll go Sunday. And then they then they will go I mean, next week, it's, it, it's go time for them next week, too. Um, I mean, even on the last day of finals, which is the 12th, they have a practice scheduled that night. Then it's the week after. I always find that week after to be a really pivotal week because that is the week where there are no, no classes. They go from the 12th to the 21st, no classes, where you can really get a lot done. And I think that, uh, you know, we're just going to watch this step by step by step and see how it goes. A lot of people are excited about this, and I don't blame you. That's fine. It's great to have excitement. Instead of, gee, I hope they do okay, but, you know, but you let it play out. I mean, and I know it's difficult for everybody to do that let it play out I understand that but that's all you can do with this especially you know I'm going to go out there for a little bit tonight and just see it play out day by day by day by day and then you get to the West Virginia game and go from there um The uh, we mentioned that anybody in the pack that's remaining of now the pack nine. Is is clean. What's not clean is the perception that you're the one that broke it up. That's not clean. So you're trying to stay away from that perception. 
understand that. No grant of rights being violated, no exit fee needed. The contract naturally ends on August 1st. August 2nd, USC and UCLA are Big Ten members. Colorado on August 2nd is a Big 12 member. Again, no violation of grant of rights, no need to go to court, no exit fee. Florida State is not clinging, it's ugly. The exit fee would not be ugly. The exit fee is, I think, standard for everybody in the conference. It's how do you handle the grant of rights? Because you've signed over your grant of rights, you know, your media rights, where you don't own them. You don't own them. And... I mean, you're going to have to go to court to do this. And, I mean, that becomes expensive, and that's ugly. And who knows when you get your freedom out of it. It's interesting how Texas and Oklahoma, and it seems like the negotiations, well, everybody was obviously, like, hit by a baseball bat two years ago when they announced they were leaving. Like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And then, of course, the usual panic ensues, and everybody's got to move here, 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 here. And like, okay. And most of them didn't make any sense. Kansas, Iowa State. I'm like, oh, Kansas, Iowa State. What, are you kidding me? Um, I don't think so. And the Big Ten did the right thing. They waited. And then when they had the opportunity at USC and UCLA, they took it. And, again, USC contacted Fox which then opened the door for everything to stop start happening. Well, okay. So whatever the process happened to be, that's how it happened. But they're also, again, USC and UCLA, and along with Colorado, they're all exiting, and they, they, it's clean. Even Texas and Oklahoma, it sounds like the negotiations, once the shock wore off of like, okay, they are going, and they both said, hey, look, we'll, we'll go through 2025 if we have to. Right? Both said that. They negotiated it out. They still had to pay $50 million apiece. Well, the $50 million is an exit fee in combination with the grant of rights number. Yeah, that's how they came up with it. And they negotiated it. Big 12, look, it's like, we're, we're moving forward. And, you know, we see what you want to do. We'll let you move forward. We'll move forward. We'll settle for $50 million each and then go on. They still have to pay the money. It's not, you know. But the negotiations were amicable. Uh, both sides worked it out. Both sides were going to allow each one to go forward. Fine. Perfect. Florida State is not going to be. Florida State has all the earmarks of being really dirty. I mean, the exit fee is clean. That's you know, Everybody knows there's an exit fee. But it's, it's going to be what? You know, they can swagger all they want about the grant of rights. Texas and Oklahoma did not break the grant of rights. And they've got money. 
And I've seen figures as low as 120 and upwards of 300. I'm telling you, it's close. I, I think in the end it's going to be closer to 200 to 300 for them to get out of this. Do they really have that money? And I don't mean in one lump sum. Even over time, do they really have that money? And not only that, we're at a period of time right now where there are not as many people going to college. There's still a big number going, but not as many. And people ask about the Big Ten and the AAU. All right. So let's discuss that. Obviously, they would have taken Notre Dame if they were not an AAU school. Notre Dame has received in the last two to three months, like Miami has, AAU accreditation. But they would have taken them. But I think there's exceptions to every rule. Florida State is not an exception to a rule. The, the Big Ten presidents do take the AAU components seriously. Now, it is, is it a game-breaker? No, but they take it seriously. Remember, when Nebraska was brought in, they were an AAU member. And it wasn't until, what, maybe one or two years after they were in the conference, they lost that accreditation. So I don't know, something to do with the medical center, something I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I follow that part closely. I usually I follow who their quarterback is, not not whether their medical center's <laughs> on campus or not. <laughs> okay. Um, but they do take that part seriously. USC and UCLA are AAU members. Clemson and Florida State, for example, are not. Miami is. Oregon and Washington are. So that part is at least not a deal-breaker, but they do take it seriously. So I never discount that part of it in terms of what they think. Oregon and Washington are looking for a landing spot right now. The Big Ten does not want to be seen as the villain. And when it comes to exploratory, the exploratory part I think is now based mostly on can we find the dollars to do this? Can't just bring them in and give them one eighteenth of the pie. You can't do that. That pie is being divvied up for the next seven years in one sixteenth shares. Um, and that's obvious. So, can you get them at a forty percent rate? 40 to 50% rate, probably more closer to 40. And is there an outlet out there that can produce the money year by year that would cover both of them? So let's just say for the sake of argument, we'll use a let's use a round number. Let's say 40 million. It might be 35 or whatever. Well, let's use $40 million. Well, in order to bring in two schools, you've got to come up with $560 million. Right? 
Probably somebody, what? That's $80 million a year times seven. Well, it would be actually four hundred eighty. It'd be what four hundred eighty million. So it's going to be have to be about five hundred million dollars because it would be six years remaining when they when they come in. So you're talking about you've got to come up with five hundred million dollars somewhere to add these two schools at a reduced rate. Is that money out there? Think about that. Because you're talking about forty million in school times six years is two forty. Okay, the other school is forty million a year times six years. That's two forty. That's four eighty. So it's just about five hundred million dollars. Can you find a broadcast partner that will give you the additional eighty million dollars a year? That will then come out to five hundred million over six years. That's the question you have to ask. Is there somebody out there willing to do that at eighty million a year for six years? Right around five hundred million dollars, four eighty. And remember, that's the reduce rate. Because that's what it's going to take. At a reduced rate, it's still over six years, $500 million. Is Will Amazon Prime pay that? Would Apple pay that? What are the complications, by the way, with Peacock, if there are any? Or is there an over-the-air linear network that would pay that to get a late-night package? See, that's the part that Tony Petiti, this is his area of expertise, what he's checking into. That's where the, the, dil, the due diligence is being done. Washington and Oregon a year ago were already vetted. They probably have gone through the process just, just cliff notes one more time just to make sure the answers are all the same. But this is now all about if you're going to do this, is there a TV partner out there willing to foot the bill for it? Because it's going to be six years, $500 million. Because I'm not going to look at my existing partners and tell them, hey, by the way, everybody's going to get 118th instead of 116th. Uh, no, over here in the back, don't like the math. And that's going to be the issue. You don't want to be seen as the big bad wolf that wrecked the conference. But at the same time, if you do make this move, part of the vetting process is you are trying to now vet whether there is a TV entity or entities out there that are willing to come up with in the neighborhood of $500 million over six years to balance the sheet. It's not as, this is not as simple as, hey, let's add them, that's great, kumbaya, we're a national conference. Uh, no. There's a little more to it than that. And that's that one of the issues with the SEC. 
My understanding is Texas and Oklahoma are not getting full shares out of the gate for the first year they get in there. Now, and anybody asks about Rutgers and Maryland, let me straighten out the Rutgers-Maryland part of it. Rutgers and Maryland, like Nebraska, were integrated in over a seven-year period where they got a little more each year, a little more each year. Rutgers, and I think Maryland to a point, but Rutgers is not going to get a full share until 2027. Why? Okay? Because they have borrowed so much money from the Big Ten, uh, getting advances on their media money to make up ground financially. That's why they're paying that back. That's the reason why. Because they borrowed so much against future earnings. That's the reason why they're not getting a full share until 27 or 28, something like that. And Maryland was sort of in that same boat, but I think they're pretty close to being even. But that's why when you hear that Rutgers isn't getting a full share, well, they've been getting full shares, but then they have to pay back what they've borrowed from the conference. That's why it doesn't come out in the end of a full share. All right. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Right, great to have you with us on the show today. Back tomorrow, heading into the weekend. Maybe we'll have more news on what Arizona decides to do or not to do tonight and see whether that's another domino or whether it allows the Pac-9 to stay together with the idea of expanding to the future. Today's show brought to you by... Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.